Hi, you're listening to Screen of the Crime. I'm Tess. And I'm Maggie, and this is a podcast where we talk about true crime and what would happen if your favorite TV and movie characters committed those crimes. here again <laughs> yes yeah as we do every week mm-hmm. most weeks um how have classes been in life and <laughs> so on and so forth um classes have been good i have a lot like guys the thing is i don't mind having so much fucking work for classes as long as it's like interesting and like i'm in a zoological and botanical illustration class so that's really fun because like you know it's drawing plants and like fun science stuff um so that's cool um so yeah classes are good you know i have a little desk now at my job (laughs) and i just feel like a little you know desk person having person because my desk before was like the receptionist desk and like everyone sat there but like my desk now it's like i'm the only one who sits there and i'm like ooh, (laughs) i'm a little fancy boy now even though i'm not but my um, boss, Fran, has these very funny little things in her office. Um, and, like, she, like, right on, like, the bulletin board, like, on the desk I sit at, there is, I will pull it up so I can quote it, but it's this little, like, cer- not ceramic. No, yeah, it's, like, this little ceramic. Yeah, you sent it to me. Like, um, painting thing that's, like, it looks, like, super cute, and it's in, like, cute little, like, oh, like, painted thing. But it says, and I quote, the fact that no one understands you doesn't mean you're an artist. And I think that is so funny to have in the school art office. <laughs> and then the other one has this very weird frog looking thing on it. That's like, it's like a little fairy frog with these big ass shoes. And it says, fairy of joy. <laughs> Every year the fairy of joy visits the earth and whoever she touches with her wand receives happiness. And then under that it says, may she beat the shit out of you. <laughs> And I noticed those when I was in there. I was like, this is hilarious. So, yeah. So that's been very funny. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. What else has happened? Not that much. I just read budget sheets all the time I'm there. I'm like, I have to find all these tiny little numbers. And like, you know how that old people do that thing where they're like, how can you see in here? Cause um, it's like, you know, it's like probably size 10 font, maybe a little smaller, but like I can read. And it's like, you know, a fluorescent, like regular kind of lit room. And she's like, do you need more light? Like, how can you read that? I'm like, I feel like that has just been the constant of like everyone over the age of like 50 is like, how can you read? Mm-hmm. I also burned my hand today. On what? My oven. Well. <laughs> That's unrelated, but I just felt it, so I thought I should share. <laughs> so, I went to grab something, and I had, like, two towels on, but, like, it was in the middle rack. Mm-hmm. So there was, like, a rack above, a rack below, and I just, like, bumped my hand up, and I was like, ah! So. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what else to say. That's all. Well, my weeks have been shitty, and, um, not, um, it's just, you know, you know what I mean? I work a lot, Mm -hmm. and we've had some issues with employment, and it's really fucked me over, but, um, other than that, my classes are fine. Um, and I'm so tired. At class yesterday, I'm in mass communications, which is, a, I think it's a one, it's a level one course. Yeah. For just communication students. Um, and I'm, I'm in it and I play on my computer the whole time and take notes. And one of the things we were talking about banned books and or contemporary fiction not and or and we were also talking about contemporary fiction and he was like popular books have focus on vampires and i was like yeah okay. <laughs> and he was like and 
Um, like it's really uh, dystopian novels are really big amongst young readers. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And he was like, and something called the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. And I was, yeah, I have a TikTok about it. Um, <laughs> I was just about to say, I saw your TikTok about this. And I was in class like, yeah, let's talk about the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Because, like, I guess um, I'm wrong in assuming that most people know what, know that, means. what that means and or, like, pay attention to, like... Like, I watch a lot of booktubers. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess a lot more than normal people watch booktubers. But it's not, like, that obscure. Because. And I also... Yeah, it's not. And I also, like, watch a lot of, like, film critique videos and such. Yeah. But I feel like a manic pixie dream girl, or maybe I just spend too much time on Tumblr, is something most people know the definition of. Yeah. But then he's like, I don't know what a manic pixie dream girl... Does anyone know what that is and he's like an old bald man so i like i get it um he shouldn't be teaching it it shouldn't be on a slide if he doesn't know what it is but it's important um i enjoy his class and the class was silent for a little while and then this one girl who's in the front row she's like a basic like girl um she goes oh i know what that is it's like a little fairy like a little and i think for sure she was talking about like you know the little wix girls from disney channel like i'm sure she was thinking of that and then the class is just like oh yeah yeah that's what it is like the whole class erupted everyone not like two people were just like oh the whole class was like oh yes and then chatter started and they're like yes oh yes i get the 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 fairies and i'm like ah and then there's the girl sitting next to me and she has a Thrasher t-shirt on and a Vans beanie. And I'm like, please, get this. She's got to know. I was like, lesbian, please. Give her. And she raises her hand. She's like, actually. Oh, it's yes. A, it's a, it's a, like a stereotype normally in film. But a girl is made just to like be there for the boy and make like the plot go forward for the man. I'm like, and I'm just nodding. Like I'm making <laughs> eye contact with the teacher. I'm like, she's right. Yeah. And he's like, so it's a, a fairy. And I was just so upset by it. I was like, these damn idiots in this class. Um, But we were looking at, so, banned books. People no longer banned books. Unless, like, it's, like, local banned books. Like, your school um, is racist or something. Um, Uh But, so, they're now called challenged books, in which people challenged them to be banned. And he pulled up the 2018 list of challenged books. And... Captain Underpants was third on the list. And it's, it describes why it's challenged, and it's because there's a same-sex couple in it. Like, almost all the books are challenged because there's gay people in it. Oh, okay. Except for 13 Reasons Why, which oh, yeah. I read that novel. No gay people. Just so we're all clear. Just so we all know. There are no gay people in the book 13 Reasons Why, as far as I'm aware. That's not shocking unless like but in the show unless whoever wrote it pulls up jk rowling and is just like actually hannah baker was in fact gay (laughs) well no i mean hannah baker like they do so there's a stalker in the book if you've seen the show you know who it is i think his name's tyler but like her and the one girl like fake make out like that is Mm. gay but that's they're not gay they're doing it to get him to take photos you know what I mean? Yeah. So that they can, like, they're trying to, like, lure him out, and then they pull up in the window, and they see him jacking off or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But they're, like, in the in the show, that girl is a lesbian, and she's hiding it, even though she has two gay dads. And, like, the guy who, like, published her poem or whatever is just clearly a homosexual. Yeah. And then the other guy who, like, she gave all the, the extra double tapes to also just, is just a gay man. Um, but... The book sucks. But that was also on the list. But then, then, in class, we're all sitting there, and he was, like, talking about, like, the reasons why books are banned. And he's like, one's, like, wizardry. Right? And we're like, yeah. And then he's like, because Dumbledore is gay. My teacher just says that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And then the kid in front of me goes, like, actually, J.K. Rowling, like, said that afterward. Like, he was, like, never gay in the books. He's like, but he was gay in the books. She wrote him gay in the books. And we're just like, I don't think he wrote him gay in the books. <laughs> and he was like, she said that after afterwards. And then they started talking about, like, Hermione's race and, like, all the issues with J.K. Rowling. And she's just like, you know, she spoke at Harvard for graduation. I'm like, she did, man. <laughs> I was, I'm like, I support J.K. Rowling and whatever the fuck she's up to right now. I know that some of her shit she's doing is a little, eh. But I like Harry Potter. And if Dumbledore is gay, Dumbledore is 
gay, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that whole J.K. Rowling shit annoys the fuck out of me, because I'm just like, can you stop? Like, I just feel like it discounts the Harry Potter books. Like, everyone's like, fuck J.K. Rowling, oh, yeah. but they were Oh, yeah. Good no books. hate on Harry Potter at all. Like, I just feel like everyone's like, fuck J.K. Rowling and fuck Harry Potter, and like, well, I liked those, you know? Fuck J.K. Rowling, but not Harry Potter. Yeah, you know? So. You can, yeah. Anyway, that's my one class. My other classes are just boring. I'm learning. We have to make the, um, f- spot the difference things in my digital design and communication Uh-huh. Things. And I was, um... I'm, I'm Photoshop certified, and we are learning basic Photoshop skills in that class. And she's like, I want this due by Friday. And I was like, great. So I'm, like, going in there, and I'm trying to Photoshop, like, a crack onto a phone mm. by just, you know, pasting a cracked phone. Yeah. Over. It looks fine. Um, and my, I didn't realize my teacher was behind me, and she scared the crap out of me by laughing. <laughs> and she's like, ha, that's a good one, Maggie. And I was like, first of all, how'd you even know my name? My teachers never know my name. Mm. And I didn't have my name tag out. I was like, whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> um, and also, I was like, thank you. Like, I'm certified. <laughs> like, please, love yeah. me, teacher. Um, anyway, I, I have a lot of notes, so we should probably okay. get into the case. Um, so, <laughs> the topic of today is mass hysteria. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, yeah, because um, I only had um, roughly 45 minutes to take these notes between um, my class and work, and um, I was like, you know, it's fun, yes. mass hysteria. Yeah. Um, so, I, if you don't know what that is, um, in sociology <laughs> and psychology... <laughs> I'm sorry. That was just a reaction. I'm sorry. I only hate psychology students, not psychology. Psychology as a whole can live. <laughs> just the <laughs> students can die. <laughs> uh, I feel like I sound like a terrible person on this podcast just because I have so many bad personal experiences with, like, just one specific person of, like, a whole thing. But it's always over stupid shit. Like, what major you are. It's never anything bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, is a phenomena phenomenon that transmits collective illusions of threats, whether real or imaginary, through a population in society as a result of rumors and fear. In medicine, the term is used to describe the spontaneous manifestation of the same or similar hysterical physical symptoms by more than one person. A common type of mass hysteria occurs when a group of people believe they are suffering from similar disease or ailment, sometimes referred to as mass psychogenic illness or epidemic hysteria. Okay. Do we all understand? Do you understand? Yep. You, know, you know what it is. We get it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's an episode of House about it. So I have a... Oh, I think I've seen that episode, they're actually. They're on a plane. Yeah. I yeah. remember that. Um, so I have a bunch of different mass hysteria ones. The first well, the first couple are kind of like, eh. And the last one's like, eh, you know? Mm-hmm. I'll get into it. So number one is the Charlie Charlie Challenge. Oh, I remember that. So what Did is, you ever do it? No. So what is Charlie Charlie? Um, It is a modern incarnation of a Spanish paper and pencil game called Juego de la la Pisera, or the pencil game. (laughs) So like a magic eight ball, the game is played by teenagers using um, held or balanced pencils to produce answers to a question they ask. Originally described on the internet on the internet in 2008, um, the game was popularized in the English-speaking world in 2015, um, partly through the hashtag... Hashtag Charlie Charlie Challenge. Mm-hmm. So here's how you play. There's two types. Um, with four pencils, in an early version of the game, two p- players each hold two pencils in the shape of a square, pressing the ends of each pencil against the other players. Like a Ouija board, it is used. Uh, it uses the idometer phenomenon, with players moving the pencil without conscious control. Mm-hmm. But with two pencils, um, the two pencil game involves crossing the two pencils pens or pencils to create a grid with sectors labeled yes and no then asking questions to a supernatural entity named charlie the upper pencil is then expected to rotate to indicate the answer to the such to such question the first question everyone asks by speaking into the pencil is can we play or are you here or are you there mm-hmm. and then it kind of like tells yeah. you we all okay um Sorry. The top pencil is precariously balanced on a certain pivot point, meaning that it can easily rotate on the pivot due to a slight wind gust or the breathing of players expecting the pencil to move. 
So here's a little history on it. I went a little deep dive. In Spain, teenage girls have played Juego de la Lapicera um, for generations in school playgrounds and sleepovers to find out which boys in their class found them attractive. Of course. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you? According to um, Caitlin Dewey of the Washington Post, this game is valuable as an example of cross-cultural viral trends. Quote, Charlie makes a killer case study in virality and how things move in and out of languages and cultures online. You'll notice, for instance, a lot of players and reporters talking about the game as if it were new, when it actually, and more interestingly, I think, this is still a quote, an old game that was just recently uh, crossed the language divide. Maria Elena Navaz of BBC Mundo, which is just world, said, quote, there's no demon called Charlie in Mexico, and suggests that Mexican demons with English names, rather they say uh, Carlitos, are, us- are usually American inventions. Urban legends ex- expert David Emery says that some versions of the game have copied the ghost story of La Llorena. You know uh, the movie, La Llorena? Yeah. I heard it was bad. Popular in Hispanic history, but the pencil game is not a Mexican tradition. So it's not La Llorena. Yeah. Um, Joseph Laycock, a, a professional, a professor of religious studies in Texas State University, argues that while Charlie is most often described as a Mexican ghost, it appears that Christian critics reframe the game as satanic almost immediately due to their desire to claim a monopoly on wholesome encounters with the supernatural. <laughs> ah, those Christians. Yeah. So, the mass hysteria part of it. In May of 2015, when I was... Turning 16. The, the Racket Report, um, a parody website that described itself as, quote, not intending to communicate any true or factual information. God, that's me. Posted a hoax article claiming that 500 mysterious deaths had resulted from playing the Charlie Charlie Challenge. The Fiji Sun reported um, claims made by the satire website as news in June. The Fijian Ministry of Education banned the game, and three Fijian... I think I'm saying this wrong. Fijian? Who's to say? I don't know. I'm so sorry. Um, Teachers in Navao were taken to a police station for questioning over allegations that they forced their students to play it before being cleared of all charges. In May of 2015, four teenagers were sent to the hospital in... Tunja. I'm so sorry. They believed that they had been possessed by Charlie, but they were quickly released with diagnosis of mass hysteria. Mm. Um, Kate Nibs writes that once the paranormal fad went viral, it didn't take long for Christian fearmongers to warn against calling on the nefarious spirit world. Pat Robertson denounced the Charlie Charlie Challenge as demonic. Several exorcists promotes the idea that the game causes spirit possession and a concern. Repeated by Muslims in Jamaica and the UAE, various media outlets describe participants in the game as gullible. (laughs) In April 2017, East Libyan government banned the game, blaming it for six suicides. Damn. When indeed it is just a pencil. And another pencil. That rotates. Yep. Anyway, so here's another mass hysteria. Case number two. The Louisiana twitching epidemic of 1939. (laughs) What? (laughs) During the springtime of 1939, one school in Louisiana experienced a massive case of twitching among its female students. The epidemic began after one girl experienced uncontrollable twitching in her right leg during the school's annual homecoming dance. The girl's twitching attacks worsened considerably over the coming weeks. Less than a month later, her female friends and classmates also began to have twitching episodes. The arrival of frantic parents who took their children away only fueled students' fears of the twitching disease and caused a massive stampede shortly thereafter. It took a full week for things to finally calm down. Just what caused the twitching? Was it something in the water? In the air? For investigators who studied the case, it was nothing more than attention-seeking by a lovelorn girl. (laughs) Patient Zero, a senior named Helen, was a poor dancer and constantly worried that she might lose her boyfriend to a more skillful... Freshman. <laughs> this is a different story, right? It's a different story. Okay. We're, we're not on the Charlie Charlie. That was... that I finished that. No, no, we're not on the... 
Russell Slag syndrome. No, we're still on the Russell Slag syndrome. Oh. She's patient zero. Helen. Oh, I thought that was like a pause, like patient zero. No, New this day. is Helen, patient this zero. Seemed, it seemed unrelated. She thought she was going to lose her boyfriend to a skillful dancer freshman. Okay. They concluded that Helen subconsciously solved the problem by producing a painful twitch in her leg, which also enabled her to be excused from her much loathed dance classes. A case of killing two birds with one stone. That was it. Okay. That's the end of that one. Okay. Phantom pregnancy panic, case three. Oh, jeez. An extremely rare form of mass hysteria gripped the patients of a London psychiatric ward in the early 1970s. It all started when a 17-year-old schoolgirl named Louise confided to her fellow patient that she was expecting a baby. This was, of course, false. Mm-hmm. Prior to her admission, Louise had a history of attention-seeking behaviors and lived a very promiscuous lifestyle. Her condition only worsened after she learned that her best friend's pregnancy and subsequent death of after childbirth. That traumatic experience, um, experts concluded, led her to experience phantom pregnancy symptoms, either as a personal massive fear of the consequences of unprotected sex or as a form of identifying with her deceased best friend. Whatever the case, Louise's incredibly convincing personality was enough to trigger a pregnancy panic among the rest of the female patients. A few days after Louise revealed her supposed pregnancy, other patients, including one with no history of sexual activity, (laughs) became fearful that they too were pregnant and caused a ruckus in the ward. Um, only through constant reassurance that they were never pregnant um, in the first place did the woman finally calm down. Next one. So this is the really big one, the big fat boy case. Okay. This is the daycare ritual abuse case. You might have heard of it. I was saying. Listen to the Dead Me podcast. <laughs> oh. They mentioned it for like a hot second um, with Satanic Panic, but I've been like hearing about it, weirdly enough everywhere so um so this is the mcmartin preschool trial okay okay um so these are the initial allegations in 1983 judy johnson mother of one of the manhattan beach california preschool's young students reported to the police that her son had been sodomized by her estranged husband and by mcmartin teacher ray bucky ray bucky was the grandson of the school's former uh school's founder Virginia McMartin, and son of administrator Peggy McMartin Bucky. Um, Johnson believed that her son had been abused... Sorry, that her son had been abused... Oh, my God. When her son had painful bowel movements. That's when she thought, started thinking that he had been abused. What happened next is still disputed. Some sources state that at that time, Johnson... Um, sorry. I can't read. Give me a hot minute. I've had a long day. <laughs> what happened next is still disputed. Some sources state that at that time, Johnson's son's d- son denied her suggestion that his preschool teacher had molested him, whereas others say he confirmed the abuse. In addition, Johnson also made several more accusations, including that people at the daycare had sexual encounters with animals and that, quote, Peggy drilled the child under the arms and, quote, Ray flew in the air. Um, Ray Bucky was questioned, but was not prosecuted due to lack of evidence. The police then sent a form letter to about 200 parents of students at the McMartin School, saying that their children might have been abused, and asking the parents to question their children. Here is what the letter said. I'm going to read it. I can't read, so be careful. Okay. September 8, 1983. Dear Parents, This department is conducting a criminal investigation involving child molestation. Ray Bucky, an employee of Virginia McMartin Preschool, was arrested September 7, 1983, by this department. The following procedure is obviously an unpleasant one, but to protect the rights of your children as well as the rights of the accused, this inquiry is necessary for a complete investigation. Records indicate that your child has been or is currently a student at the preschool. We are asking your assistance in this continuing investigation. Please question your child to see if he or she has been a witness to any crime or if he or she has been a victim. Our investigation indicates that possible criminal acts including oral sex, fondling of genitals, buttocks or chest area, the sodomy possible committed under the pretense of, quote, taking the child's temperature. Also, Photos may have been taken of children without their clothing. Any information from your child regarding having been ever observed Ray Bucky to leave a classroom alone with a child during any nap period, or if they have been observed 
ever observed Ray Bucky tie up a child is important. Please complete the enclosed information form and return it to this department. In the enclosed stamped returned envelope, as, uh, sorry, yeah, as soon as possible. We will con- contact you if circumstances dictate same. We ask you to c- please keep this investigation strictly confidential because of the nature of the charges and the highly emotional effect it may have on our community. Please do not discuss this investigation with anyone outside your immediate family. Do not contact or discuss the investigation with Raymond Bucky, any member of the accused defendant's family or employees connected with McMartin Preschool. Johnson was diagnosed with with and hospitalized for acute paranoid schizophrenia and in 1986 was found dead in her home from complications of chronic alcoholism before the preliminary hearing concluded. Mm-hmm. So here, the, here's what happened. Mm-hmm. The children. Several hundred children were then interviewed by the Children's Institute International, or the CII, in Los Angeles-based abuse therapy clinic run by Key McFarlane. I think I said that wrong. The interviewing techniques used during the investigation of the allegations were highly suggestive and invited children to pretend or speculate about supposed events. Mm. By spring of 1984, it was claimed that 360 children had been abused. Astrid Hempenstahl-Hager performed medical examinations and took photos of what she believed to be minute scarring, which she stated was caused by anal penetration. Journalist John Earle believed that her findings were based on upsta- sorry, ab- unsubstantial medical histories. Later, research demonstrated that the methods of questioning used on the children were extremely suggestive, leading to false accusations. Others believed that the questioning itself may have led to false memory syndrome among the children questioned. Only 41 of the original 360 children ultimately testified in the grand jury in pretrial hearings, and fewer than a dozen testified at the actual trial. Michael P. Maloney, a clinical psychologist and professor of psychiatry, reviewed videotapes of the children's interviews. Maloney testified as an expert witness on interviewing children, Yeah, was highly critical of the technique used, referring to them as improper, coercive, directive, problematic, and adult-directed in a way that forced the children to follow a rigid script. He concluded that many of the child, of the kids' statements in the interview were generated by the examiner. Transcripts and recordings of the interview contained far more speech from adults than children and demonstrated that, despite the highly coercive interviewing techniques used, initially the children were resistant to interviews' attempts to elicit disclosures. The recordings of the interviews were instrumental in the jury's refusal to convict by demonstrating how children could be coerced into giving vivid and dramatic testimonies without having experienced actual abuse. The techniques used were shown to be contrary to the existing guidelines in California for the investigation of cases involving children and child witnesses. Some of the accusations were described as bizarre, overlapping with accusations that mirrored the emerging satanic ritual abuse panic. It was alleged that, in addition to having been sexually abused, they saw witches fly, traveled in hot air balloons, and were taken through tunnels. When shown a series of photographs by Danny Davis... Um, one lawyer, oh sorry, one child, identified actor Chuck Norris as one of the abusers. Mm. You seeing what's happening here? Yeah. Some of the abuses were allegedly to have occurred in secret tunnels beneath the school. Several um, excavations turned up evidence of old buildings on the site and other debris from before the school was built, but no evidence of any secret chambers or tunnels were found. There was claims of orgies at car washes and airports and of children being flushed down toilets to secret rooms where they would be abused, then cleaned up and presented back to their parents. Some child interviewees talked of a game called Naked Movie Star and suggested that they were forcibly photographed nude. During the trial, some of the children's testimony stated that the Naked Movie Star game was actually a rhyme taunting used to tease other children. It was, quote, what you say is what you are, you're a naked movie star. And had nothing to do with having naked pictures taken. Johnson, who made the initial allegation, made bizarre and impossible statements about Raymond Buckley, including that he could fly. Mm. She's an adult. Through the prosecution, 
asserted, asserted, Johnson's mental illness was caused by the events of the trial. Johnson had admitted to them that she was mentally ill beforehand. Evidence of Johnson's mental illness was withheld from the defense for three years and then provided when provided, was in the form of sanitized reports that excluded Johnson's statement at the order of the prosecution. One of the original prosecutors, Glenn Stevens, left the case in protest and stated that other prosecutors had withheld evidence from the defense, including the information that Johnson's son did not actually identify Ray Bucky in a series of photographs. Stevens also accused Robert Phil Bosian, the deputy district attorney, on the case of lying and withholding evidence from the court and defense lawyers in order to keep the Buckies in jail and prevent um, access to exonerating evidence. So the trial. Two trials were conducted for the McMartin preschool case. The first lasted from July 13, 1987 to January 18, 1990, while the second lasted from May 7, 1990 to July 27, 1990. On March 22nd of 1984, Virginia McMartin, Peggy McMartin, Bucky, Ray Bucky, Ray's sister Peggy Ann Bucky, and the teachers Mary Ann Jackson, Betty Rador, and Babette, Babette Spittler were charged with 115 counts of child abuse. That's a lot. Later expanding to 321 counts of child abuse involving 48 children. In the 20 months of preliminary hearings and prosecution led by attorney Lael Rubin presented their theory of sexual abuse. The children's testimony during the preliminary hearings was inconsistent. Michelle Smith and Lawrence Pazder, co-authors of the now-discredited Satanic Ritual Abuse Autobiography. (laughs) Michelle Remembers, that's a full title, met with the the parents and children involved in the trial and were believed by the initial prosecutor, Glenn Stevens, to have influenced the children's testimonies. In 1986, new district attorney called the evidence incredibly weak and dropped all charges against Virginia McMartin, Peggy Ann Bucky, Mary Ann Jackson, Betty Rader, and Babette Spiller. Peggy McMartin Buckley and Ray Buckley remained in custody awaiting trial. Peggy McMartin bail, bails have, her bail had been set at $1 million and Ray Buckley had been denied bail. In 1989, Peggy Ann Bucky appealed to have her t- uh, teaching credentials reinstalled after their suspension was granted. The judge ruled that there was no credible evidence or corroboration to lead to the license being suspended, and that a review of the videotaped interviewed with McMartin children revealed a pronounced absence of any evidence implicating Peggy Ann in any wrongdoing and raised additional doubts of credibility with respect to the children's interview or with respect to the value of the CII interviewing techniques themselves. The following day, Credentialing Board of Sacramento endorsed the ruling and restored Bucky's right to teach. During the first trial, George Freeman was called as a witness and testified that Ray Bucky had confessed to him while sharing a cell. Freeman later attempted to flee the country and confessed to perjury in the series of other criminal cases in which he manufactured testimony in exchange for favorable treatment by the prosecution in other cases. In several instances, fabricating jailhouse confessions of other inmates in order to guarantee his testimony during the McMartin case, Freeman was given immunity to previous charges of perjury. So that guy lied. In 1999, nope, in 1990, after three years, what are you playing with? Oh. Oh, my glow-in-the-dark star. Yeah. After three years. You sounded like when, like, a dog is, like, got into something. What do you got there? Yeah. (laughs) Take that out of your mouth. Um, After three years of testimony and nine weeks of deliberation by the jury, Peggy McMartin, Bucky was acquitted on all counts. Ray Bucky was cleared of 52 of the 65 counts and freed on bail after more than five years in jail. Nine of 11 jurors at a press conference followed the trial stated that they believed that the children had been molested, but the evidence did not allow them to state um, who had committed the abuse beyond a reasonable doubt. 11 out of the 13 jurors who remained by the end of the trial voted to acquit Bucky of the charges and... um, the refusal of the remaining two vote two for votes were not guilty. Predict sorry. <clears throat> the refusal of the remaining two to vote for a non guilty verdict resulted in a deadlock. 
The media overwhelmingly focused on two jurors who voted guilty at the expense of those who believed Bucky was not guilty. Bucky was retried later on six of the 13 counts, which produced another hung jury. The prosecution then gave up trying to obtain a conviction, and the case was closed with all charges against Ray Bucky dismissed. He had been jailed for five years without ever being convicted of committing any crime. So if you're not following... Nobody was abused at this preschool. Damn. Even though 360 children... Said they were. Yes. Wow. I'm not done. Well, that was just the tip of the iceberg. (laughs) Was it? In what would be known as the daycare ritual abuse hysteria of the 1980s through 90s, wherein daycare workers were accused of engaging the children in all manners of satanic ritual abuse. Fantastic claims including children being forced to watch live executions, rape, torture, and so on. Virtually all the accused were later exonerated, but not, but not before spending a good amount of time in jail and having their lives essentially ruined. Yeah, so there's no way. Yeah. Yeah. Just what caused this hysteria in the first place? The answer could be found in the parents themselves. Mm. Fuck parents. As it becomes more common for both husband and wife to work outside their home, they had to entrust their children to daycare centers, a move that would likely increase their anxiety and guilt. Daycare workers, in effect, became the perfect scapegoat for the parents helping them ignore their own shortcomings. Add to that the false testimony shamelessly coercing coerced out of the children by heavy-handed interrogators, and then there you have it, a perfect recipe for the 20th century equivalent of a medieval witch hunt. Also, the Salem witch trials were mass hysteria, but yeah. I didn't do that, so. Yeah. Thank you. I'm done. Cool. But that was fucking whack, right? Yeah. These poor preschool teachers yeah. all got attacked. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Also, the satanic panic was mass hysteria, too. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I have two things that come to mind. One will be one is, like you said, has to do with Salem with trials. Um, cause is I was, it Paranorman? No. Oh. Uh, it's not a fun one. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> it's the not fun witch movie that's based on not f- even less fun witch book, The Crucible. Oh, I've never done <laughs> seen or oh. read any of that I had shit. To read the, I had to read The Crucible in... I think sophomore year of high school. But then we watched the movie with Wyona Ryder in it. So it was a little bit okay. But, um... The Crucible is basically just the Salem Witch Trials, and it, like, follows that. I'm not gonna get into it all, because I have another one. Okay. So I'll do, like, a shorter thing first. But basically, everyone knows the Salem Witch Trials. Yeah. It's, like, the most common, you know, oh, it's a witch trial or whatever. (sighs) Or a witch hunt, not a witch trial. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, yes, the Salem witch trials were witch trials. It's like, it's a witch hunt. Like, everyone says that in, like, you know, politics or whatever. It's a phrase. It's a phrase. So, I don't have to explain it, but, you know, there's someone accused of being a witch, and then every single girl in the town's a fucking witch, because she's, like, you know, a woman or whatever. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of people get hung for it. Or other ways they died. Yeah. I'm th- I mean, I always remember the hanging, though. I remember um, this one man was accused of being a witch, and he had rocks stacked on yeah, top of him. Yeah, you get stoned, him. or you get thrown in water. Well, he wasn't stoned. I mean, they weren't, like, thrown, and they were stacked on him until his chest just concaved. Yeah, it's getting stoned. I thought getting stoned was getting rocks thrown at you. No! Eh. Getting stoned is... I really just thought it was, like, lottery-style, like... No, oh, no. You know how the book, The Lottery... I'm not being done. Yeah. No, no. It's like, that's what getting stoned is. In that context. So. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Continue. Yeah. But so, there's all the people, and they're all just like, everyone's a goddamn witch. I don't need to, ex- yeah, I'm not going to get too much into this, because everyone knows what the Crucible is, and it's so boring to read and to watch, so I don't want to bore us again by having to talk about the Crucible. But the other thing I was thinking of, which has to do with the kids' case, was um, the Friday the 13th remake, which is kind of weirdly, I think, based off of this in a weird way. Because 
the Friday the 13th remake um, follows, like, all these kids, and it's, like, in the future, but basically that one sets it up where um, Freddy was, like, a preschool teacher. Or he wasn't the teacher. He was, like, the janitor at a preschool. Oh, sorry. You mean Nightmare on Elm Street? Oh, I'm so sorry. I was stupid. like, the remake? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm so Googling. sorry. I always mix those two up. Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. No, I agree completely. That's what I was thinking about the whole time I was yeah. writing that. So it's the, the tunnels, and I was like, shit. Yeah, so, like, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, um, there's, like, these kids in the future, and they're, like, in, like, high school age. And uh, not, like, it's, they're like... They're in the present. <laughs> they're in the present. Um, and they're, like, high school age kids. And I forgot what... Oh, I think it's, like, one of them dies. Yeah. And then it's, like, this whole, like, thing where, like, all these kids realize they're, like, connected, but they don't know why. And it it turns out they all went to the same, like, preschool. And that preschool, the janitor got, like, he didn't get arrested, but, like, the parents basically murdered him Mm -hmm. because of this mass hysteria about... Well... I'll get there. Yeah, okay. So... Basically, the kids are like, oh, Freddy is, like, that he's coming to their dreams and stuff. And it's kind of this weird, like, twist on a twist, where the twist is, it's like, they don't believe that they got, like, abused. Yes. And so they're like, oh, we have to, like, do all these, like, go into, like, the dream state or whatever to, like, free Freddy or something. But then the twist on the twist is that they actually were abused and they, like, discover that by going back to the old school. And it's exactly, like, what that, like, what those kids in the case were describing. Like, these, like, tunnels and stuff. And, like, the pictures. Like, that's exactly what happened in the movie. Except it did happen in the movie. And so when the parents, like, go and, like, murder this guy, it's like, okay, you were right. But it still was very much, like, the same thing where it's, like, the parents were, like, mass hysteria. When, like, you know... But in this case, it was okay, because they were correct. But all these, like, kids... It was kind of weird, because, like, all these kids had, like, mass hysteria of, like, they weren't abused, because they were just repressing it. Yeah, they all had repressed memories. They don't remember how they knew each other. Yeah. And then they all start... Well, one girl um, slits her throat at a diner, and... um, Because of Freddy. Yep. And then they're at her funeral, and... She sees like a, a Rudy Rooney Rooney Mara <laughs> uh-huh. is in the movie. She sees like a picture of them all in preschool or whatever. Yeah. And she's like, oh, that's me. Yeah. She was like, oh, that's me with that that dress. Yeah. That yeah. Yeah. And then she starts having nightmares, and the other love interest, the love interest dude, um, starts having nightmares, and they they meet up. So they're like the squad, right? Yeah. Um, and then they find this Asian dude from. Disturbia, who's like vlogging oh, his life because yeah. he's not sleeping, and then he he kills himself on camera. Yeah. Somehow he uploads that to his vlog, and then in the end, it's like Rooney Mara and the other guy. They like they have, go back to they the like go and like Rooney like Rooney falls asleep, so she can like have love interests wake her up. But he falls asleep. But then he falls asleep, so it kind of... But in the end, they do kill Freddy. It's and, really great, because yeah. she's like, she's like, ah. She goes in, they have this whole plan to, like, get Freddy into their world. Because yeah. she finds out she can take, like, she ripped off, like, a piece of his clothes or something. Yeah. And then he adrenaline... Love interest boy. Adrenaline shots Rooney Mara to the heart. Yeah. And she rips Freddy out of the dream world, and then they light him on fire. Yeah. It was actually... Usually remakes it's a good, it's are a, not it's good. It's an interesting movie. But this one was very good. I, I enjoyed it. There's, like, a scene in the um, the library that they're in, and I saw, like, like a director's commentary on it for some reason. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, he's walking through the library, and it, like, slowly becomes the dream world. And, yeah. like, you can see how, like, things, like, there becomes more and more books in the library. Yeah. And it's interesting. I remember the Love, in- love Interest Boy, I remember he stayed away because he uh, has Adderall. Yeah, but so then he, he ran out and he tried getting And more. he ran out and he's, like, freaking the fuck out. And he's like, let me get my meds. Yeah, he's just like, look, I need these. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but, no, I, yeah, all the, I love when I think of, because I was, like, trying, I was like, 
the every like when you started telling that story, like the minute you started, I was like, "What movie?" I'm like, "I know it's on the tip of my tongue," and I remembered at the end, so now everything is coming back to me. But I was like, "What is this I'm thinking of?" And I was like, "Cause it fits. It's like based no, yeah, on no, that." Yeah. So that's actually yeah. Um, cause I, when I was writing it, I was thinking about that, but then I remember. There's, like, one of the first Dead Meat episodes. They talk about, like, the history of certain things. Uh-huh. And they say that the the origin of um, Freddy was actually, um, like, a sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm. Because it's, like, a it's, you, like, can't move in your sleep. Yeah. But, like, something's there. And I thought that, again, people were dying in Asia from that. Because mm-hmm. they'd have heart attacks in their sleep. And yeah. that was the origin. But I'm sitting here, like, maybe this is the origin. Well, at least for that movie. Like, that's the Yeah, it's very did. similar. Yep. Yeah. It was a good remake, though. I, I enjoyed it. it. You should watch the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. It's good. Yeah. It's good shit. I don't know. Also, the... No, we um, did watch that movie. Yeah. Because some of the... Some horror movies, I'm like, did I watch the dead meat on it, or did I actually see that no, movie? No, I think... But I, I definitely... put it on or something. Yeah, no, we definitely watched that. Yeah. Um, you should watch that remake and the Evil Dead remake. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to watch. I with, think the Halloween remake is on Netflix. Rooney, now. No, never mind. Sorry. What? <laughs> no, never mind. Sorry. Oh. What were you saying? No, the Halloween remake I think is on Netflix now, and that it's one. It's on um, Amazon. Oh, okay. I watched it. Yeah. So, but I need to watch that though because I only saw the dinner meat on that remake. What was that? It's not a remake. It's not a no. It's not a remake. It kind of is marketed as a remake because it's the same title. Yeah, but it's like a. But it's sequel. in the future, cause, and it also. It Again. discredits it dis- all the movies uh, except for the first two. Yeah. Yeah. Even... Or the, just the first one. It discredits almost all the movies. Yeah, I think it discredits... Because I think the second one introduces a weird... No, I think they're still... Are they siblings in the Halloween? No. Okay, then it discredits everything after the first they, one. They become... They're... In further movies of the Halloween franchise, it is it, their siblings. Yeah, you know. So yeah, the second one introduces that. So everything after the second. So it's basically the sequel. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, and it's good. It's I, no, I want to see it. I love Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, she's great in it. Who doesn't love Jamie Lee Curtis? I don't know. Exactly. Um, it's got a, <laughs> it's got the actor in it from After, um, that plays. The, the main girl, I don't remember her, Tessa, um, boyfriend, mm. not not Harden Scott, but like her high school boyfriend. He's mm-hmm. he's in the Halloween mm. sequel. Um, on a different note, I just want to mention I'm reading a book. Um, because I read, I'm literate, and it's called Dark Places, and it's by Jillian Flynn. Gillian Jillian Flynn, yeah. Mm-hmm. She wrote Gone Girl. Can you not do that? Sorry, I'm so sorry. Anyways, continue. <laughs> So I don't mean to mother you, but it's going to be picked up on the audio. Um, and it's about a girl who, her name's Libby, and her whole family was murdered mm. when she was a child by what she thought to be her brother. And then she's like an adult now, and she's out of money. And she gets called up by this kid, he's over 21, and he's like, hey, um, you want to come to this convention for 500 bucks to speak? And she's like, I need money. So she goes there, and it's like a true crime convention, and all these people are fucking crazy bitches. Mm-hmm. And they, like, all, they're asking her all these questions, but none of them even think that her brother did it, mm-hmm. even though she, like, spoke in the trial against her brother. Yeah. And his name's Ben. And now she's all like, maybe he didn't do it. And that's how far I am. She just visited him in prison for the first time in, like, 17 years, maybe. Whoa. Um, but it's really whack. And I, I like really I like Jillian Flynn because mm-hmm. um, she does – she writes well. And also her b- books, like, switch uh, point of view, I guess, or whatever. Uh-huh. Like, Gone Girl, we had, like, Amy's point of view and Nick's point of view. This one switches between – Libby, her mother, and her her brother Ben, but mm. it's all like different time periods. Because mm. Libby's the old, like, Libby's alive. Um, yeah, currently. But it's really interesting, and it's half the size of Gone Girl, so it's an easy read, um, or audio listen. It's only ten hours, and um, 
all her other books have been made into movies. Um, the Girl on the Train or whatever. Yeah. And Gone Girl. So my boss, Nicole, um, said that she thinks this one's going to get made into a movie too. So that would be fun. Yeah. And it just it just reminds me of the true crime community and how I'm not crazy like those people are. Um, <laughs> like, they're, like, there was, like, role players. She, like, it's like a warehouse, mm. right? And they're, like, tables. Like, it's like a Comic-Con Ugh. for true crime. Ugh. Weird. Right? Which I know exists, but I don't yeah. think it's as weird as that. Yeah. But they were, like, role players. Ew. Role, like, serial killer. Any type role of role play I'm apathy against. Yeah. I think it's weird. I agree. Glad we're on the same page. Uh, me too. Um, um, anyway, me and Tess are going to Toronto on the 7th. Oh, yeah. Um, so if you're from Toronto or know any places to go in the tow, um, uh-huh. let us know. Yeah, we have an Excel sheet for it. Yeah, it's just a copy and paste of an Excel sheet that was made by people in my fraternity when we went to Toronto. Yeah. But Tess has added one thing to it, and I added one thing to it. Mm-hmm. So, it's I now added, I added a club. <laughs> yeah, she added a club to it. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else you'd like to add? Uh, no, I don't think so. Nope. If you'd like to support my GoFundMe to buy a t-shirt that says, make sure your friends are okay, um, please Venmo me. <laughs> At, um... Don't. I don't know my I don't know my Venmo. I got you. Hold I on. think it's like Magpies12. Um... Or PayPal me at... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm not going to give you my email, you fools. Um, or just, like, listen to our ads over and over. <laughs> Your Venmo is at Maggie underscore Sperry. Seriously? Yep. Yeah. Venmo me at Maggie underscore Sperry. Maggie with an I-E. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen it spelled another way? Well, with a Y. Have you seen it spelled like Not very often. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and um, I think that's it. Um, wish me luck on my tiring day jobs. A day job. And... Tess, you got anything to say? No. I have nothing to add. <laughs> nothing intelligent to add. So Follow me on TikTok. No. Um, <laughs> if you did enjoy my TikTok, though, please um, follow our Instagram. Yeah, and vice versa. If you enjoy our Instagram, follow Maggie's TikTok. <laughs> yeah, well, I purposely covered up my TikTok username. Oh, never mind. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> um, thank you for listening. Don't kill anyone. Have a great uh, end of January, and um, that's it. Bye. Bye.